tomorrow we have a talk by Stephanie Anderson, the poetry editor of the Chicago Review. Uh, she's going to come and talk about small presses and the afterlives of making. She runs a small press herself. And she's going to talk about uh, the mythic origins of small books, modernisms, uh, little magazines, um, the mimeo, grass roll, and countercultural production. She's also going to discuss how the repetitive actions of crafting and bookmaking can sometimes enhance writing itself. And as a bookmaker myself, um, I know that it actually has become a big part of my writing practice too. So if you're interested in what that might mean to physically make your own books and what that might add to your writing practice. I like to sew my own tiny notebooks and then write in those. And it's different. You made it yourself, and then you're making art inside this thing you made. So come and find out about that. Uh, on Friday, we have the faculty reading. So we get to hear all of the stylings, the literary stylings of our beloved faculty. Uh, today, Mary Allen has come. And while she's not actually teaching this week in the festival, she teaches great courses throughout the summer. So you're going to love what you hear, and I say check out her classes. Um, her first week class, I cannot even tell you how ecstatic the students were. I feel like they were all walking around in a circle holding hands, singing. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, I also want to remind you guys about open mic tonight. We have open mic at Beatology on Washington Street. You can find that in your um, folder, the directions to get there. Uh, arrive around, you know, a little before 7. We're going to start at 7. And it's a first come, first serve, write your name on the board. Three minutes. So you prose writers out there, time yourselves. I know it's hard to do anything in three minutes of prose. Um, and that's tonight. And it should be really fun. And it is a bring your own beverages. So um, as Carol said, the first night, if you need a little liquid courage or you want to make fans, <laughs> you want to win friends and influence people, uh, you're allowed to bring whatever you want. Uh, and maybe plastic cups. She might have some there. But, okay. Or just, or just pass the bottle. That's the other way we do it. That's, that's how we roll here at the festival. Uh, so Mary Allen is going to talk to us about working with time, the key to writing. I have been running around like a crazy person all summer, and I'm so excited for this talk, because I haven't gotten hardly any writing done myself. And so I know you guys are probably having the exact same kind of summer. Uh, she is the author of two literary memoirs, The Rooms of Heaven, uh, published by Knopf and Vintage and Awake in the Dream House. She's the recipient of an NEA award. And uh, she has taught nonfiction here at the University of Iowa. She's a graduate of the Iowa Writers Workshop. And she lives here in beautiful Iowa City. Please welcome Mary Allen. Hi, thank you all for being here. Um, hope this microphone works okay. Um, so as I said in my little description of this talk, which you've all got, um, one of the biggest challenges of writing is finding and making time to sit down and do it. Um, it's also one of the most important parts of writing, maybe even the most important part of it, the most imperative thing we have. Um, because if you don't make time, you may want to write, you may think about writing, you may think of yourself as a writer, but you won't be writing. As we all know, this is something we all struggle with. Um, and I'm not saying that I don't, because I do, and that's how I happen to be an expert on it. Um, I love that idea that it's, it's sort of like that moment in the field of dreams. 
you know, where the guy says to Kevin Costner, if you build it, it will come. And um, that's, that's the same thing for time with writing, even though it might not seem like it's the equivalent. It's like if you make a window of time for writing, writing will come. And if you don't make that window of time for writing, writing definitely won't come. You know, one thing I've learned too is that you cannot force writing. You can't, you know, grit your teeth and make yourself write something well, but if you just make a space for it and sit there and wait for it, it will come. And there's a really wonderful quote by Kafka, sort of to that, every time I put my head down to look at my paper, my voice gets weird, but I just can't be helped. Um, there's a really wonderful quote by Kafka where he talks about that, and I was going to save it for later, but I'll just say it right now. He says, you do not need to leave your room, remain sitting at your table, and listen. You do not, do not even listen, simply wait, be quiet, still, still and solitary. The world will freely offer itself to you to be unmasked. It has no choice. It will roll in ecstasy at your feet. And I love that quote so much. And who would think that something that beautiful could be about something as prosaic as making time, but it is. Um, so years ago, I met an old man who was a very famous writer and who had been living a successful writing life for years. William L. Shirer, he wrote The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. Anybody not know who he is or know who he is? Um, that book was published in 1960. It was about the rise and fall of the Nazis, which he was present for as a um, correspondent for CBS. And um, that book was a huge success. Um, was an instant bestseller, National Book Award. Um, sold more copies than any other book of the month club book, and it's still people are still reading it today. They just reissued it. So I met him in the early 1980s when I was working in publishing, and. Um, I wanted to be a writer, but I was not writing. And um, I got this tremendous opportunity to go to his house because my, the publisher, where I was an editorial assistant, was publishing his book and they needed help picking out the photos of the Nazis from the collection he had. So when I went up there, somehow I, I don't know how I did this, but I said to him, I want to be a writer. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and what do I do? And um, he looked at me and he said, don't wait too long, which was one of the things that really, you know, I've gone through my life hardly paying any attention to what most people tell me, but that I really listen to. And then he told me something about how to be a writer. And what he said was, um, in order to be a writer, you need to write. And in order to write, you need to sit down and do it regularly in some way. Um, and in order to do that, you need to make time in your life to do that. And then he told me what he has done for all these years, which is, he said, um, pick a certain amount of time that you can probably fit into your day five days a week. He said, he said two hours, everybody has two hours to fit in. I thought, you know, and I, ever since I've been thinking, oh, I don't know about that. But anyway, he said, pick a certain amount of time that you can fit into your life every day. And he said, um, you probably want to be flexible about where, where you put that in every day on a daily basis. So instead of saying, you know, he said, if you say, I, my writing time is 9 to 12 every day, 
probably the first thing that's going to happen is you will not be able to write from 9 to 12 and you'll get discouraged and you'll give up. So he said, I'm just blaming this all on him, um, say that your amount of time is, say, two hours. So every day, look at your day and see where you can fit two hours in. And um, I'm afraid to look down at my notes because it does this weird thing with the microphone. Can you hear it? Oh, okay, good. Um, he also said you should only write five days a week and give yourself the weekend off. Because if you don't give yourself the weekend off, you'll, be, you'll get burned out. Um, so I heard that, and very soon after that, I quit the last full-time job I've ever had. I started making a living as a freelancer, and I started writing. And I started doing what he said, fitting the time to write into my day on a regular basis. Um, and um, at that time, my writing, the amount of time I put into my day was two hours. Um, I've basically been following that same formula for years and years and years, and the amount of time that I could write has changed depending on how much I had to do. For, some, for a while it was three hours, four hours. Um, now I'm a lot busier than I used to be, and so it's um, on days when I'm not doing what I do to make a living, which is um, working with people as a writing coach, I do two and a half hours, and on the days, three days a week when I am doing that coaching, I generally do half hour to 45 minutes and I use something that I call fast writing, which I will talk about more when we get back to the end. Um, so um, to sort of go back to where we started with the idea of making the space in your day to write. Um, I, I can already hear people thinking, well, I can't do that. I don't have space in my day to write. Um, but what I, what I really think is true is that if you actually consciously look at your day with that goal and you think, of, you put writing in there as a priority, at least as much a priority as, you know, um, having to go to the dentist and, and the chiropractor and clean your house and, and all that, if you, if you really hold in mind every day that I'm going to fit a certain amount of writing into my day today, you will find that you can. Maybe not like the perfectionistic two hours or three hours or something, but a certain amount of time. And even if you can't, there's other solutions. Um, so once you fit your, once you've got your writing time, then the next challenge is to not give up your writing time. Um, not to run once you sit down and, and face the blank page, as my friend Honor Moore said once. Um, and, you know, um, I, the, when I wrote my first memoir, The Rooms of Heaven, that was the first time I really stuck with a project over the long haul, so I was really fitting writing into my days regularly. And what I found was that when I made that space and I sat down with my writing, all kinds of fears started coming up in me. And I think that those were probably the fears, at least partly, that were keeping me from doing it before. Um, but because, I now had my space to write, I just sat there with them and said, hello, fear. <laughs> um, um, but it was a real struggle for me at that time to sit with my writing and to do my writing. And 
Um, something that I've sort of come to believe is that writing, which is also partly concentrating, is like a muscle. And when you first start off really devoting yourself to it, your muscle is kind of weak. And so it's hard and it's painful, just like it would be painful if your muscles were weak and you had to go to the gym and do something that was hard. The longer, if you really stick with it over time, at least for me, my writing muscles have gotten stronger and it's not as painful. But in the beginning, for me, especially when I was working on that book, it was painful. And um, so I, I, I had a little breakthrough about what to do. So I, because I didn't feel like writing, I kept resisting the writing, even though I had the time. I knew what to do, and, and, but I, I just was having a hard time doing it. And then I read somewhere that if you tie a monkey to a tree, it will try to get away. But if you put a monkey next to a tree, it will get interested in the tree if you give it the freedom to get interested in the tree. So right away I knew, okay, that, that, that relates to me and my writing. I'm the monkey and my writing is the tree. And um, the solution came to me, which was that psychologically, if I tie myself to the writing and I'm always trying to get away, then I'm not going to want to do it. And sooner or later, I'm probably not going to do it. So I, I made this little rule for myself, which is that um, all I have to do is sit in front of my computer during my writing time, but I don't have to write if I don't want to. And, but I do have to sit there. So, and I can't, you know, like play video games or, but I can look out the window, I can pet my cat, I can stare at myself in the mirror, I can drink water, I mean, you know. And, um, and that really worked for me because it got me to the computer because when I really didn't want to go, I said, well, you don't have to write anything. All I have to do is sit there, you know. And then after a while, when I sat there, you know, first I would sit there and then all the fears would come up and be like, okay, here they are. You know, I, one of my beliefs is that everybody has a certain one or two fears that they that try to sabotage them with their writing. My fear was this is not good enough material and nobody's going to be interested in this. So I was like, okay, tell myself that for a while, I'll just sit there with it and then just sit there. And always, inevitably, I would get bored, and then I'd start looking at the screen, and then I would start writing. You know, I would start working with my writing, and some days it would go better than others, but I always did something. And I did that. I've written two and a half whole books that way. I mean, it really works. And um, okay, so let's see. Um, and again. You know, this is all really practical stuff, but the practical is kind of like the bottom line. If you're not doing the practical, you're not going to be doing the spiritual either. You're not going to be doing the wonderful, deep soul stuff that writing is. And, you know, you know, who wants to get to the end of your life and say, oh, I wish I had written, but I was too busy doing the laundry or something, you know? And I mean, and especially I think nowadays, that's even more likely more of a threat because I, I, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that life is going faster than it used to and everybody is overwhelmed with how busy they are and how much they have to do and all the instant communications. Like you could spend communicating could be, you know, a three-quarter time job and then errands could be the other quarter time. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, but, but it doesn't have to be like that. You know, only if we let it be like that is it like that. And, you know, all you got to do is um, make space in your life.
for writing. Just a little bit of space, you know? An hour a day is, is a lot of space if you do it every day, five days a week. It's really not that hard. You know, writing in the final analysis is really not that hard. It's just a matter of making the space for it all the time, and it will come. Um, so, um, but let's face it, it is hard to make time in your busy day, and so I'm going to share what I do. Um, I have this little routine that I do every single day and it works completely great. And I don't think I'm not busy because I'm very busy. Um, and you know, I honestly, I think people that have full-time jobs, that's sort of like the biggest challenge of all. And that's not what I have. I have, um, you know, I'm a writing coach, so there's a certain amount of flexibility, but nevertheless, I could easily never write again. Um, and I'm gonna talk a little bit at the end, a bit more at the end about what I would recommend if you do have a full-time job. Um, so um, I've got this notebook. I know you can use computers for this and apps and stuff, but for me, I stick with paper and pencil because if I get an app, then I'll have to learn how to use the app. And then the app will break and stuff like that. So I don't do that. But I realize, I recognize there's probably better, more efficient ways of doing this than I do it, but here's how I do it. I have a notebook. I keep it all in the same notebook. It's a loose, you know, leaf spiral bound notebook and it has other stuff in it too, like I keep my addresses, I keep my pin numbers and stuff in there. And I keep, I've got an appointment book in there, but I have these blank pages and every day, one of the very first things I do is sit down and with my day and I look at the appointments that I've got, all the fixed stuff, there's no way around. And um, I write that down on my plan. And then I look at how much space I have left. And then I look at, you know, the other stuff that I probably have to do, like go to the dentist, go to the bank, you know, pay bills, all those sorts of things. And I think about where maybe I could fit that into my day. And, and other stuff too, you know, okay, I want to go for a walk or I want to, um, and then there's all the communication things. I need to send an email or I need to make time for emailing because that stuff really takes time too. And I look at where I'm going to fit all that stuff in my day. A lot of times I look at the most efficient way to fit it into the day. So like I'll make a little window of time where I can do all the emailing and all, and maybe the bill paying and stuff, like give myself 45 minutes there. If I'm not done by 45 minutes, I give up on it for that day. Um, and then I look at where is there the space to do the writing, and I put that into. And um, <clears throat> if there's no space left to do the writing, um, then I go back to the day and I look again and I say, um, do I have any flexibility with this stuff? Because I, I don't know what that is about that, but there's something about, other people's needs or the appointments or whatever it is that just feel like they have such power and you have to do them. But when you look at them, you say, well, do I really have to do this today? You probably don't. And so, you know, and you can do saying things like call people up and say, I can't do that with you today, but how about Friday or something like that. And then, so then I take some things out and then I put the writing in. Um, and then I sit with the day and how does that feel? Um, if I feel tense and all sort of agitated, then I know it's not working and there's too much in my day. So then I go back to my day and play with the stuff. And it's, it's really easy. It's not that hard to make your day make sense um, until I feel 
sort of peaceful and calm about my day. And then I know that's what I'm going to do today. And um, often it doesn't work out, but um, when it doesn't work out, I learn something from it and you have to be flexible. There's no way you can know what's going to work for you on any given day. But um, that's, that's what I do. And, and it's amazing how much writing you can get done if you just do something simple like that. Um, if I have days when I can't write, as of course I inevitably do, um, I try not to get uptight about it. I try not to tell myself, well, you're never going to write again because <laughs> you obviously can't, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I just say, okay, well, it didn't work today. Um, but I know that if I don't write for like a month or something, um, then I need to find some other way to make writing fit into my life, you know, like maybe start doing it on different days or just ask myself, why am I not writing? Um, I also um, have a time partner. This is really more about time than it is about writing, but um, I have a friend that I call every morning or she calls me. We usually do it when um, I'm eating breakfast. She lives an hour later, so she's usually not eating breakfast then. And I call her up and we tell each other we check in about the day and also the previous day. So we'll say, this is what happened yesterday. You know, I did not do this, I did not do that, I did not do the other thing. And then we'd laugh about it. And then we say what we did do. And um, I absolutely love that part where you say what you didn't do because up until that moment, I might feel sort of guilty about it or like be like, oh, I'm, my life is out of control, I'm not getting things done. But when I say to her what I didn't do, then all that guilt is gone. And I get to hear what she did and didn't do too. And um, you know, and you sort of gives you this perspective on life when you see somebody else doing it. Like I remember one time she was gonna make a recipe that she had never tried and it was gonna take her a half an hour and she took her five hours or something like that. Um, and you just realize like, oh, life is messy, etc. So, so and anyway, so then we do, so we say what we did do and then we kind of praise each other for it. And we never tell each other what to do, we never give each other advice, we just say, oh, that was great. And then, um, and then we say what we're going to do today and when we're going to do it. And I absolutely love that. It is really one of the nicest things in my life. It's free, it's not hard. Everybody has a friend that probably wants to do that with you. And um, that too has helped me really get more sense of my time and how to work with my time and how to fit writing into my time and also just what my priorities are. And I've learned too that you know when I tell her, like for three weeks that I didn't do the same thing, like there's always something that you just never can do because you really don't want to or maybe you don't have to or something. Um, then it's like, oh, okay, gives you maybe I don't have to do that. Or, but if it's something like I didn't do my writing for three weeks, or for me, exercise is always the hard one too. How do I fit that in? Um, then I can go back to the drawing board with that too, and and think about where to put that in. Um, let's see. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the special challenges and particularly the full-time job challenge. How many people here have full-time jobs and still and can't find time to write? Yeah. Um, I, I, as I said, I love to go around bragging that I haven't had a full-time job since 1982. And it's because 
I realized in 1982 that I really wanted to write and that it was going to be really hard to do with a full-time job, but it can be done. And um, I realized that's like often not a choice that we have and many people have deeply fulfilling full-time jobs and still want to write. Um, so, but I think if you have a full-time job, um, if you're an early riser, if you're one of those people who can get up really early, like one of my coaching clients is, then you have it made, you know? Um, then you can just write in the morning, 5.30 to 6.30. And, you know, again, that just takes a decision and sticking with the decision, I'm going to write from 5.30 to 6.30 in the morning. But if you're not an early morning person, like I'm certainly not, there is no way I would ever be able to do that. And I might, you know, I might tell myself I was going to do it and then not be able to do it and then feel bad that I wasn't doing it. And I think that's part of what you want to avoid too. You want to avoid this trap of laying down these things, I must do this, and then it's something you can't do, or it's just too much or whatever, and then you keep getting discouraged and giving yourself negative reinforcement because you're trying to do something you can't do. So if you can't, if you think you're not going to be able to get up early in the morning, I'd say forget it. Um, and that leaves evenings and weekends. Um, I have had clients who have written in the evenings a couple times a week. Personally, there is no way I would ever be able to do that either. Um, so if it were me, I would go for the weekend. And um, <clears throat> I think that um, if you look at your weekends and you think you pick a spot where maybe it's a spot where you don't feel like doing anything else anyway, like say Saturday afternoon from four to six. And you say, okay, I'm gonna try that as my writing time. And um, it's all trial and error. So you could try it, you try it, you try it, try it. Nope, I do not wanna write from four to six on Saturday. Then it's like, okay, went back to the drawing board. But maybe it will work. And um, you know, you can might be thinking, well, two hours or one hour on the weekend, that's not enough, and then give up. Um, that's another pitfall is giving up because you know you think that what you can do is not enough but actually anything you can do is enough and um, if you're not doing it what I suggest is scaling back even going for even less rather than trying to make yourself do more so it's like okay I can't do two hours from four to six on Saturday how about one hour from four to five you know and because you want to, you want to make your monkey want to stand next to the tree. You know, you don't want to be in this place where you're just constantly resisting something that another part of you wants to do. And so you got to find a way. So what would work for you that would make you want to do it? And um, <clears throat> so that leads me to another little thing that I do—a really big time-saving thing. Um, that was a big breakthrough for me in terms of writing, and that is something that I call fast writing. Um, and you know, I know I'm not the only one who does this. You may even be doing this in some of your classes right now, but I have my own little take on it. And um, um, you know, most of my students do this at some point in my classes. Most of my clients learn do this. I do it. Um, and what I do is I do fast writing with another person because I it does not work for me to do it alone. So I get a partner, you know, somebody who also wants to write. And this is a great way to generate new material. You have to work with what you generate, so you're still going to have to have some writing time to work with it. But to generate new material, it works really great. So um, 
I, um, I have my fast writing partner. Generally, you know, when you're starting, I actually, my partner lives in New York right now, but in the beginning, it's probably good to have somebody you can sit down with. And, you know, maybe somebody that wants to get together with you every Saturday from four to six in the afternoon, or four to five or something. And um, pick what you're gonna write about. Um, you can each just write whatever, you know, scenes you want for your memoir or whatever, but if you don't have a working project, you can um, use prompts and you can both write about the same prompt. I have an infinite number of prompts, so if anybody wants any prompts or more about this, I will email it to you. Um, and I'll give you my email address on the board. So you decide what you're gonna write about, and then you pick a certain amount of time to write, maybe 20 minutes. And you sit there together, and you both write as fast as you can without stopping, trying to make it good. Um, or anything, if you feel the urge to stop and edit, you write about that, you just write as fast as you can for 20 minutes. And I see a couple of my coaching clients out there and they know all about this method. And um, the one thing I say is it, for generating material, especially for narrative like memoir or um, fiction, you'll get a better result if you pick a moment that you, you know, this a moment in time and you enter into that moment and you write down what you see in that moment. It's, this is not the same thing as journal writing where you're analyzing things for 20 minutes as fast as you can. This um, is more um, a way to get something that you can probably use in some kind of narrative or maybe even a poem, although I've never done it that way. And so you write as fast as you can. Your partner is writing as fast as she or he is can. I had a writing. My one of my fast writing partners for years was like a machine. She could write. She would, and she, nothing would distract her. And I used to try to make jokes to distract her and look over her, and she would not even glance in my direction. So I had to give up on that. Um, but anyway, so you write as fast as you can. I do it on a computer because I can't stand using my own handwriting. And then when the 20 minutes is up, or the half hour, or whatever, you stop. And then um, each person reads what they wrote to the other person. And then this is the absolutely most crucial part of it, is you speak it back in a positive way. You listen closely, and you speak it back positively, and you praise it, and you don't critique it. Because this is fast writing. And if you critique the fast writing, even in a tiny way, like to say, I wish you had written more about X, the person will not be able to do it as well next time. But if you give them positive reinforcement, then they'll want to write more, and they'll do it again, and their writing will blossom, and more and more and more will happen. So, you know, you can experiment with how much time you want to do with your friend, your partner. You can do 20, you know, three 20 minutes, two 20 minutes, one 20 minute. I have done it for three half hours, which is a real stretch. Now I do it half hour on many days. And I do it with a person who's long distance, so I call her up, she calls me up and we'll say, what are you gonna write about? Tell each other what we're gonna write about. When are we gonna stop or, you know? And then we say, okay, hang up, do the fast writing. I call her back, we read it to each other, we praise it, and then we've generated a whole bunch of material. And I swear to God, again, I have written maybe one and a half books that way, because the first book I didn't use that for. But it's, um, it's like a way of getting your perfectionism to stand to the side for 20 minutes. It's not gonna go away, you can't write. If, you, if writing depends on making your perfectionism go away, forget it, you're never gonna be able to do that. But you can get it to shut up and stand to the side for 20 minutes if you have to because somebody else is doing it too. 
And um, I think that, you know, so time, that's the first roadblock with writing. Perfectionism, that's the second roadblock with writing for most people. Maybe some people know those people need to get a little more perfectionist maybe, but perfect, but you know, for most people, it's that fear that you're not gonna write well enough that keeps you from writing. And the thing about writing is that you can't write well the very first time. You have to write something and then employ your perfectionism to go through that writing and edit it and do, I call it combing. You go through the writing with fine, and then you work with what you've got, but you've gotta get something first. And um, when you do that fast writing, you can get a huge amount of writing done in a very short period of time. I, my last weekend class, my, we did 12-minute fast writings, and it was amazing. It was, people almost wrote a whole memoir in a weekend. So that's my next class, <laughs> proposed next time. Um, but, um, so I would recommend that. You know, it's, it's a good way to get started with writing, especially if you want or you're not really doing your writing. And the amazing thing about the fast writing is that it's also a very profound spiritual practice, although it may not seem like it is, because, because you're writing fast, it, you let go of control, and you let go of like the things inside your head, the ways that you want to impose your ideas and your, all that on it. And something happens where you connect up to that deeper part of yourself, and it will take you places that you never thought you would go. You know, you can even sometimes get a whole idea for a book that way, or it'll give you these breakthroughs. It's like little tiny aha moments can get in there because you're just letting go and letting it happen. And it's really all about tricks like that. Like, how do you trick your perfectionism to stand to the side? And I have to say, I've gotten very, um, the fast writing is such a huge part of my writing process now that it's hard for me to generate new material without it. And I had a very bizarre experience where um, my partner who lives in New York said, I can't start writing for 10 minutes, but why don't you start now and then I'll start 10 minutes from now. And I could not do anything for those 10 minutes. <laughs> I was just sitting there and then as soon as the 10 minutes was up and I knew she was writing, in New York, I was in Iowa City. I started writing, and then I thought, I don't know what this is, but whatever it is, it's working. Um, so I guess what I would say is, if you have a full-time job, that's a great place, and you want to write, and you want to fit writing into your life, that's a great place to start, is get a fast writing partner and do fast writing with them on a regular basis, maybe Saturday afternoons, like from four to six when there's nothing else going on, or whatever works. And because that other person is there and you've made a commitment to them and they're part of it, it'll be a lot harder to forget about it, you know? And, um, and then you also, you know, sometimes when you fast write like that, you'll get something perfect that you can just use. I got the end of the Realms of Heaven that way, but most of the time you don't. So you have to work with what you get. And so you still need to you know, find time, find a way to fit some time into your life to work with what you get. But you have a much better chance of actually having some output. Um, so what I would say is maybe an hour on the weekend to work with what you got. Perhaps Sunday from four to five or something. You know, or whatever you can do. How often do you do this fast writing? Um, well, right now I do it um, Mm, four days a week for a half hour at a time. With that same partner? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it works well if you have if you have the same partner. But I mean, I'm not, it's just up to you whenever you want to do it, however often you want to do it. 
Um, I use it now as a way to generate new material when, while I have a very busy schedule. So I coach as a writing coach Monday, Tuesday, and Friday, and on those days I do a half hour fast writing. And then on Wednesday and Thursday I work with the writing where I have much bigger spaces. And you know, but everybody's life is going to be different. And I'm I'm just sort of trying to address what for me is the hardest scenario, um, which is maybe having a full-time job to fit in writing. And you know, but a lot of it is just um, making a decision. I want to write. I want to find a place to put writing in my life. And. Um, and then acting on the decision, because if you don't make the decision, life will make the decision for you in the form of a million errands, or you know, emails, or kids, you know, wanting something, or whatever. There's always going to be something outside yourself that will make that decision for you. But you always have the option of making a decision that can work for you and work for others too. You know, I think one of the roadblocks is we think, well, if I do that, then you know, those people will die or something. And, but they don't necessarily. I mean, if you have kids, you can get a babysitter for two hours on Saturday. Or, you know, you can, there's all sorts of things you can do. You can ask your partner to, to take the kids to the park or, or something like that. And, and then it's always good to have follow, you know, follow through. Like, okay, your partner refuses to take the kids to the park, then something else, you know. Um, well, I, um, I, I guess I'm just going to ask for questions. Um, but before I do that, I'm going to write my, um, I have a blog called Harnessing Time. And I'm going to write the um, URL for it in big, bold letters on the blackboard. And if anybody can't see it, let me know. And um, so uh, this is one of my projects that I'm doing right now, as well as some other projects is I'm working with time and writing about time. And it's not like a time planning book or anything like that. It's a personal book about what I, how I work with time and it, and it comes out in these blogs. So if you go to the blog and you type in your email address, it, it, it'll send you the, it'll just come paste it into your email whenever I write it. And so you won't have to keep messing with the, that. And I'm also gonna write down my email address. If anybody has any questions or wants me to, send them my handout for fast writing, which has some prompts on the back, or wants to talk about how I coach or anything, um, feel free to email me, too. So I'm going to do that right now. It's called, blog is, is harnessing dash or hyphen time dot blogspot.com G. My email address is just my name, Mary Allen at mchsi.com. And if you need any of that and you don't have it, you can always contact the Summer Writing Festival, because they'll pass anything on to me. Um, anybody have any questions? Somebody back there had their hand up. Uh, in that. OK, you, why don't you go first, because you had your hand up first. I find it interesting that you um, have these deadlines in strategy. 
Um, since my writing group that meets weekly, half the reason I'm in it is because it forces me once a month to have 40 pages ready. Okay, that's a good question. She said it's interesting that I don't use deadlines. Um, I don't use deadlines because that makes my monkey not want to go anywhere near the tree. And um, I, I just don't, I mean, I, I realize that they work really well for some people, but um, I don't respond very well to any kind of negative reinforcement so um, or fear or anything. And the other thing is that um, I think I partly also don't use deadlines because Ever since sometime in the early 1990s, I've been working on pro like longer projects. And with there, it's like you can't say, well, I'm going to be finished with this novel in three months. Or you can, but good luck with that. And it's just a one day at a time thing. And for me, and I'm not saying that works for everybody, but for me, what works better is to just do it one day at a time and have a certain amount of faith that it'll all work out. Because um, if I don't do that, then um, I start to freak out about what I have to do. Like I actually did have a big fat deadline at one point where I had to finish a book by a certain date. And um, but again, I didn't. I just said all I can do is what I can do one day at a time, and um, and that worked. So that's just the way that it's always worked for me. You have a surefire method for keeping your, forcing yourself to keep your web browser turned off while you're writing. Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Do I have a surefire method for forcing myself to keep my web browser turned off? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I have a harnessing time thing about that, too. Or a blog post about that. How, um, I think that this is our modern day problem, right? Is like, the, the web browser and all, every email, yeah, email and that horrible little ding that happens whenever you get an email. Um, well, I've tried various things. Um, it seems to me I recall making a decision that I was um, going to turn all that off during my writing time, but have I done it? No. So, um, but in general, when I'm writing, I don't do that other stuff. You know, it's like that whole thing of I sit there and stare at the screen. I pet my cat. I look out the window. One time I saw a squirrel out there. Well, then if you can't um, tell yourself you're going to do that, you can tell yourself you're going to turn it off. But if, I mean, I don't know, I think ultimately it comes down to that decision thing. Do I want to write or do I want to browse the internet? And um, I mean, I know browsing the internet is really kind of addictive. It can be very addictive. Um, so I don't know, start a 12-step program for it. I, um, I just think that's a hard one because addiction is always hard. And I'm not joking, it really is hard. But, I think that um, when you're, if you do fast writing with a partner, you won't be browsing the internet. So you could try that. You'll generate a lot of material that way. And then once you've generated some material, you might be more interested in actually working with the material than browsing the internet. Like you might be like 52% more interested in that than the internet. And so you might, you know, spend more time with it. Um, is that your problem? Is that the, that's the deal? Is you you sit down at the computer, you start doing that? Short attention span. 
Short attention span. Well, you know, the short attention span is like what I said about the muscle. And everybody's got really very weak attention span muscles nowadays, especially because everything in the universe is trying to keep you from having a strong one. Um, so what I just try that thing where you say, I'm just going to sit here with it. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and write solidly for an hour. I can't. But nobody can. But if you can sit there with it and just don't do the internet, what if you, how, what's the shortest or the longest period of time when you can turn your internet off? Half hour maybe? Try that. Try writing for a half hour when you turn the internet off. And then just sit there with it. Say, I'm gonna, my goal today is to sit in front of my writing with it on the computer screen with my web browser turned off for a half hour. Try that. Can you do that? If you can't do that, go for 15 minutes. Can't do 15 minutes, go for 10 minutes. <coughs> if you can't do that, go for five minutes. One minute, I mean 30 seconds. Just the minimum you can do it for. And then build up, you know? And, but you can do it, for, I think you can do it for 15 minutes or a half hour, you know? And the thing is, all, if you can just tell yourself, all I gotta do is sit here with it in front of me. I don't have to force myself to write. That might help some, because I really do think there's something to that. There are really cheap programs you can buy that turn off the internet entirely. Yeah. Like eight hours. Do you want to tell him, and I'll write it on the board. Yeah, I'll email it to you. Okay. Or what? You want to tell me? I'll write it. Do you know what they're called? Oh, freedom. Freedom. Okay. <laughs> Is it like www.freedom.com? Just Google freedom. we can see and from this example. <laughs> so I'd say, I would either get rid of that guy or quit the group. Um, I personally do not do writing groups, but I know a lot of people do and a lot of people get a lot out of them. The reason that I don't is because um, I have traditionally not found it that helpful to have people critiquing my work. Um, because um, it shuts me down. It shuts me down. But also, um, I believe that you have to be able to generate work before it gets critiqued and that maybe when you're very close to the end and you're ready to do the final revising or to do revising or you've done everything you can do, then 
I find somebody that I really trust to tell me what to do and or to make suggestions but when you're just in a group with a bunch of people who don't say I said this but frankly don't know what they're doing their chances are they're going to be work just doing all kinds of stuff with your own with your writing that's not going to help you and that might confuse you might make you feel negative and um, I think it's really great to have that connection with other writers and what if it were me I would organize a group where I did fast writing with people and but make sure they if anybody who can't people start critiquing the fast writing they have, they're out because that will wreck it but I would not turn my writing over to a group of people and have them critique it and my experience with that in the past has been almost uniformly negative and it's like I'm sure it's good with some places but even people who were like published authors or whatever, they would always say things like, basically, I want you to write something different. Or, um, you know, just stuff like that. It just made me feel bad and mad and not like I wanted to go home and write some more. Somebody back there, yes? Well, it, I'm very clear about what I want. You know, like maybe I just want a reader, in which case I say, I just want a reader for this. Can you read this? Is this good? But if I want somebody, so I'm an editor too, and I'm pretty confident in my own editing ability, although, you know, not infallible. But if I, I just think, what do I want? And if I want somebody to go over it and say, I think you knew to put more here, and this does not work, and cut this out, then I'm very clear that's what I want. And I'm also really careful who I ask because it has to be somebody who is really good at that and who even knows how to couch it in you know, very specific terms. And even then, I've had some kind of not so good experiences with it. So you also have to be able to um, sit with your own intuition about what's right for you in terms of the book because what the the hazard is is that somebody will tell you to do something that is not what it's not what your vision is as an author and, and then you get confused and then you get negative feelings and then you don't know what to do and sometimes you abandon the project and so you have to be able to say or else and find another person to check it out with too X said I should do Y what do you think and or you try it like I remember when I was writing The Rooms of Heaven I my good friend Joanne Beard everybody knows who she is she told me to do something, and I really didn't want to. I was sort of mad and everything. And then I thought, well, I'll just try it. And I did, and it was just what was needed. So that's great. Um, but sometimes you try it and you say, I can't do it. Or if somebody tells you some big key element to change it, it's like very easy to give advice. But like I, one of my coaching clients, her, her main thing was that the character played baseball, and her sister said, don't have them play baseball. <laughs> Nobody plays baseball nowadays. No white kid plays baseball. And it's like, that's just not helpful, you know? And my poor client was just totally thrown off by that. And so then we had to go back to, okay, you know, is this really the right thing for this book? And it was. And so, you know, it can be very tricky and you have to sort of be a little bit judicious 
in terms of all of that. I mean, you do sort of need it, like I did need what Joanne told me to do. And, um, but you also have to be aware that not everybody's advice is good advice. And even no matter how qualified there you appear to be, too. Somebody up there want Yeah, how, when you said that you're very specific in what you want. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that, what? You said you're specific in what you want when you give your writing. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, well, I mean, I think it sort of comes down to again, pick who you choose, you know, because um, if it's like if it's like your sister-in-law and she has a habit of always telling everybody what to do and she can't help herself, don't ask her because she's not going to be able to do what you want. So pick, you know, pick somebody that. Who can really do that? And then just say to them very clearly, all I want to know is, can you read this? Do you want to keep reading if you read this? Tell me honestly, if you, if you read it and you're bored and you can't stand it, let me know. But if you like it, I'd like to hear that. I mean, is that what you're saying? Yeah. But please don't edit, you know? Um, and then if they start editing or telling you what their edits are, then you, well, <laughs> anybody have anything? Somebody else? Oh. Um, do you have a suggestion for a way to connect with other writers? Well, I think that's a great question, how to connect with other writers. One thing is, this place is a great place to connect with other writers. And so, you know, if you haven't already done that in your class, you could ask if everybody would share their information. And, you know, like email addresses and stuff like that. I don't, I mean, I, there's probably something like freedom.com where you can do that, but I don't, I've never used that sort of thing. So, um, a lot of times word of mouth works really well. It's amazing if you just say, first of all, you just sit there and say, who do I know who, who, who's writing? And probably you will know somebody. Um, but if you don't, then you can just sort of ask around, do you know anybody that I might like who's writing? You know, that's a good way to do it. Or at, send me an email. I know millions of people who are writing. I'll send you some emails of people who are writing, you know, if they are okay with that. And there's a, it's really easy to create a community of writers and doing it, this is a really great place to start doing that, you know. And um, like if you go to the open mic, maybe you don't want to read at the open mic, but you could go to the open mic and say, you know, I'm looking for a group of people to connect with as writers. And nowadays you can do it, you know, you don't have to do it in person, you can do it all through the internet or chat rooms or on the phone or whatever. So, and you know, you don't need that many either. Sometimes just one person is really all you need or a couple people, but you know, people that you really connect with and that you feel like you can relate to their writing. Like one of my clients has this writing group somewhere in Iowa and all the other people are writing, you know, stuff that she's not writing. And so she feels very disconnected in that group. That's not a good group of writers for her. And I think it's good to find somebody who's writing stuff like you are and somebody that you like, you know. But writing programs, that's a great way. That's one of the main things you get out of a writing program, like even a week and, you know, like this is that. Anybody want to say anything more? Are we done? 
Anybody want to? Everybody, somebody had their hand up. Did you have your hand up? You can't, you've changed your mind? <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. I just wondered if you would say some, something briefly about writing rituals and little, little tools or little things that kind of get you writing rituals well you know I think that's a great thought and it's up to everybody I um, um, I'm not big on the writing rituals so but there's probably you know if you probably google writing rituals you'll find them and I do think that one really important thing is to have a space where you write and, you know and um, if, they, if your house you don't have a space in your house where you can write it's great to look around. Where's a where's an extra room or a big closet or or some even a corner of a room where I can put a, a something around and where you have your own stuff in your own and you go there and that's your place to write and then you start to associate that with writing. I think that's a really good idea. And um, again, another writing ritual is picking uh, you know a writing time five days a week, not a specific time, but you know, just going to your desk and spending time at your desk a certain amount of time every day or five days a week or on the weekend or whatever, that's an important writing ritual. You know, those are the kinds of things that I do. I used to, years ago, was a smoker and that was ruining my writing completely. And so I had to find other things to do instead of that. And for a while I stared at myself in the mirror. <laughs> Stuff like that. But otherwise I've never done anything. Um, Anybody else want to ask me anything? Well, I just, I'm not sure this is a question exactly, but it's a dilemma that I have. Um, of that muscle that you talk about, I'll set aside a time in a busy day, and then the muscle just keeps twitching and twitching and twitching the entire day, and it's very distracting for me. I have a hard time switching it off or you know, relaxing it. You mean, do you still want to write after you've written? That's not how it stays with me to the point that I'm Sometimes you know, I just get really absorbed, and I and then I have to go and teach a class. I have to go do something different, and it's really hard for me to disconnect. And I just didn't know if that was normal. Well, I think that's a good problem to have, and I think I have heard other people say that, and I've also heard people say they're afraid that that will happen, and so they are afraid to actually enter the writing because they're sort of afraid they'll never get back out. Sometimes it stops me. Yeah. Maybe you could just try telling yourself at the end of your writing time, okay, now I'm done for the day. You know, even just something simple like that. Because that's the way I've always done it is once I'm done with my writing for the day, I'm done. And because you'll burn yourself out too if you try to do too much. And so, but I would say don't let the fear of that keep you from writing. That's the number one hazard. Just make the time. When you're done with the time, maybe say to yourself, okay, self, I'm done now. Let's, we can come back tomorrow, you know. And I think the more you do it regularly, the more you, you're, uh, you'll, you're, you'll learn. I don't have to do it all the time because I, I'm going to do it tomorrow. So that's probably maybe the best we can do there. Okay, I, oh, oh. I, have time. I, um, I think we only have like one minute. Yeah. 
happen, but is there, I mean, do you encourage people to work with writing coaches or, or do something so that they can well, the first thing I would do is read. You know, if you if you just start, obviously you love writing because you have something in you that wants to write. So start reading more. Pick, think, find books that are sort of like maybe what you would want to write, and just read, read a lot. And you know, just before you start worrying about somebody telling you that your writing isn't any good, you actually have to write. So what I would do is, again, just try generating material in a positive way and it will, you know, and, and coaches are good. I'm a writing coach, I work with lots of people like that, or classes are great, you know, whatever you do. Um, but I think the first, you know, reading, that's something you can do at night before you go to sleep where you actually read books that are kind of like what you might like to write and, and pay attention to how they're written. And that's a good way to start learning how to write. I mean, being receiving negative feedback is not necessarily the first line in learning how to write well. I mean, sure, that might keep you from doing something that you shouldn't be doing, but if you want to do it, you should be doing it. You know, that's all it takes is the desire. It doesn't take, like, I can right out of the starting gate write something really good, because most people can't. You gotta be able to, you know, do it and work with it and stuff, and, and then, maybe work on how you can make it better. But it's not a you know, yes or no thing. And I mean, I like to say there's no such thing as good writing and bad writing. There's only finished writing and unfinished writing, and almost all writing is unfinished. So obviously, you, know, you just need to s start doing it before you cut yourself off at the past. Anyway, we're out of time. Thank you all so much for being